0: Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is our semi-final review edition. Our preliminary finalists are set. Oh, we're getting close. 207 games are played every AFL season. We have seen 204 of them. Just three to go now. Uh, let's start at the top, our preliminary finals. The first preliminary final to be held on Friday the 16th of September at the MCG, 7.50 p.m. Eastern Standard Time between Geelong and Brisbane. The second preliminary final to be held at the SCG, 4.45 p.m. on Saturday the 17th of September between Sydney and Sydney and Collingwood, Uh, both games scheduled to ensure that all teams have a minimum seven-day break leading into their games. Uh, We've had two very intriguing and, in one case, thrilling semi-final results, which we're going to analyse in detail. But before we get to that, I say a uh, very big hello to my Footyology podcast co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw, what do you make of all the semi-final action, Shawry?
1: Well, certainly Brisbane have turned it on their ear where we uh, and the football world uh, publicly scrutinised their performance under pressure. They've certainly come out rowing and played two fantastic finals games where all the stuff people talked about, their resilience, their character and their game plan under finals pressure would be tested. They've certainly stood up. And uh, they did it against a team that at one stage was uh, 10-0, and that's elite. And we'll talk about it a little bit later. And after that, Melbourne went 6-14, which puts them in the extremely mediocre category with some of the sides between uh, 16 to 12th.
0: So that's how far Melbourne dropped. Yeah, it's an interesting observation. Um, And uh, the other semi-final, Collingwood, vindicating its top four finish with uh, a pretty authoritative, I thought, uh, win over Fremantle. Season over, like Melbourne, for Fremantle, but uh, you'd give them a big tick too. They've definitely made progress this year under Justin Longmuir. Agree? Well, that was the first
1: time that uh, I thought that the finals uh, pressure got to them. Uh, particularly uh, the way Collingwood applied pressure. We'll talk about, we'll analyse it a little bit later, but I thought it was a a tick for both clubs. Obviously outstanding Collingwood and going to Sydney, uh, even though Sydney is one of our favourite teams for the year and an early pick for the premiership, uh, Collingwood have every right to believe they can win this game and so they can.
0: Absolutely, and uh, we'll tell you why as we plough through the uh, details of both these games. All right, let's not muck around anymore. Let's get straight into it. On Footyology wrap around. The second semi semi-final on Friday evening at the MCG. What a cracking game this was. Uh, what a final series we're having, and this was yet another ripper and a fantastic win to the Brisbane Lions. The final scores, Brisbane, 14 goals, 8-92, defeating Melbourne, 11-13-79. The Lions coming from, uh, at one stage, a 28-point deficit to win by 13 points. The goal kickers, Hipwood, 4, Cameron, 3, Bailey and McStay, 2 each, singles the rest, and for Melbourne, 2 to pick it two to Fritch, two to Neil Bullen, and two to Langdon. Okay, well, uh, I'll throw it over to you in a sec, Rob, but just to set the scene, Brisbane had lost 11 straight games at the MCG, hadn't won there since 2014. They'd been belted twice by Melbourne previously this season by 64 and 58 points. They lost Joe Danaher pre-game, who pulled out to be at the birth of his first child and as i said shortly before seconds before halftime they were 28 points in arrears i think it's fair to say at that point of the penny section you were thinking good night brisbane well this could be the making of this side rob what a fantastic second half they played found plenty of resilience plenty of grit plenty of toughness and uh as you said in the intro the narrative completely rewritten, Chris Fagan staring down the barrel of a a 1-6 finals record over four seasons. Well, now it's 3-5 and they're into a preliminary final, one win away from a grand final. What are your initial observations on this game?
1: Well, there's plenty, Rowan, and where do you start? Obviously, uh, you spoke about Denner, but a significant part of this game was a no mack which allowed Gorn, uh, while he was still fresh and not sore, allowed him to dominate the game early. <clears throat> he fell away significantly. He couldn't go the distance. but uh, And you've got to give uh, – it's Darcy Ford, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you've got to give him a lot of credit for hanging in there because he was smashed early and, and significantly Melbourne were 3-6 probably could have put the game to bed if you said that margin was 28. If that was 6-3 to 0-1, there's a fair case that this, to state, despite running out of legs, that Melbourne could have hung on. Nine scores to one was significant. Um, well, that, well
0: like, the, at that stage, the, the inside 50 count when it was 3-6 to one point was 14-3. I mean, they were just absolutely dominant in terms of territory. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's
1: even a bigger – look, we'll go into the reasons why in a moment, but it's even a bigger tick to Brisbane that they uh, um, they haven't been noted for this. I know they've come back in other games, but we're talking about Melbourne. We're talking about Melbourne that were 10-zip, Rowan, and, and we'll do this in our review of the season, but to only win six out of the last 14 uh, needs some pretty forensic uh, discussion and we'll, and they'll get that in the media.
0: Well, uh, the I guess the comeback started really, didn't it, in those very last seconds before the halftime siren and that goal to Callum Archie, literally on the siren, which brought a 28-point deficit back to 22. There's another big moment, wasn't there, at the right at the start of the third term when Brisbane attacked straight away, Hipwood running into goal, got dragged down to tackle by Harrison Petty, holding the ball, and I thought... I remember thinking, and wrote down in my notes, actually, which I'm looking at here, um, that's a definitive moment. You know, that'll be the moment we said, well, Brisbane gave it everything, but Melbourne were just too strong. But no, because only a minute later, he put in fact, marked in front of Petty, kicked a goal to bring it back to 16. And uh, that just triggered a, a, a goal rush. I mean, Brisbane ended up kicking 12 of the last 17 goals Ooh. in this game. Where's the turnaround come from? Well, the the midfield. Lockie Neal started slowly, but as so often happens, worked himself into the game. He ended up with twenty six touches. He had ten clearances. Humic luggage, terrific. Twenty five disposals, big goal in that third term. But probably, I reckon you'd agree, the pivotal move here, Jared Berry. He had uh, not started. It, it had been, um, uh, sorry, just having a blank. Who started on Clayton Oliver? It was Devin Robertson started on Clayton, Clayton Oliver. <clears throat> Oliver. very busy early, but Berry swung on to the uh, red-headed midfielder. He ended up with 26 disposals, eight marks. Of course, he also won't be there next week because there was a, an incident with Oliver, which he has been suspended for a game for. But that was pivotal and um, just fantastic revival by the Lions. A
1: lot to unpack here, Rowan. Um, we've spoken about... I want to. Um, I was wrong. I like doing a, I was wrong. I thought Petty May and Lever would control the day, particularly without Joe Danner and also McInerney pushes forward can mark the ball. Hipwood outstanding. Given not only with the four goals run but given the quality of the opponent, I thought P- Petty was resilient, May was hard working, uh, Lever was wobbly. And I'm not just talking about that. I think, once again, that if May and Petty aren't protecting Lever, they can expose him. And I tell you what, if you were uh, Michael Hibbert and someone said before the game, you got the big job, son, and I can tell you now, you're only going to you're gonna hold Charlie Cameron to five touches in a final. You'd take that, except they were touches of gold from Charlie Cameron. So four from Hibbert, three from Cameron, and I must say, Rowan, without... Harry Hindsight, or without We Told You So, uh, Ben Brown 0, zero on Harrison and Andrews. And we've raised this topic
0: time and time again about Melbourne's forward half. Yeah, well, do you think in hindsight, and I did, I did uh, ask Simon Goodwin this at the post-game press conference, uh, Tom McDonald, should they have rolled the dice on him? And I think it did come down to what we were talking about. They had Petrarca you know, with a few question marks on him, could they afford to have two guys at less than 100%? They weren't prepared to roll the dice on McDonald. Um, And unfortunately, yeah, they ended up with a fairly impotent uh, sort of forward structure. Even even after, there were moments even after Brisbane turned this around where you thought, oh, Melbourne will be right now. Like, for example, uh, just near three-quarter time, you know, Fritsch kicked a goal, Neil Bullen kicked a goal, Melbourne are two goals up again. But again, Brisbane came, goal to Darcy Fort, and then Hipwood literally on the siren, levelling the scores, and then uh, pretty much one-way traffic until the last few minutes of the game, McStay putting the lines, a goal up, Um, Brayshaw, great goal on the run to cut Brisbane's lead to two points, but then Bailey, Cameron and Bailey again, and uh, late little furry by the demons, who, who, to their credit, you know, kept plugging away, and they did uh, get within what was it? It was uh, seven points of difference, and then that uh, pivotal moment, or the you know, the final nail in the coffin, that one on one between Lever and uh, McStay. Uh, Lever pinged for holding the ball, and then just had an absolute brain explosion, hung onto the ball, and uh, gave away fifty, and uh, Bob's your uncle, all over.
1: Well, it was a free kick run because he was tackled on oh, like the kick. boundary line, yeah, yeah. and he just put the ball on the yep. ground. So,
0: yep. um,
1: and it required a shot from an extremely difficult angle, and for an experienced player to carry on like that. And in the, um, you were you were at the ground. I'm listening to it. Give the ball back. Give the yeah. ball back. Yeah. I definitely heard twice, and people are saying three times he got an opportunity for fifty meters. Yeah, it was a petulant display of um undisciplined arrogance. That's all I can explain it to for an experienced player. But there's a couple of other things. Yeah, they you you raised it. They ran they outran him. You talked about Bailey, McCarthy, I thought Zorko under pressure of the uh, of previous events was constantly uh, 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 booed. He was fantastic. So it was the legs of Brisbane, the capacity to run, the McCluggage uh, running. Neil got on top and, of course, we've seen it before, Berry on demerit, exactly the same move that they made against Essendon.
0: Yeah, it's good, right. um, good yeah. generate a good runoff halfback two through uh, Rich and Coleman. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, Rich was originally on Petrarca, and I, because Petrarca didn't start in the centre square, Brayshaw started on Neil um, and did a very, very good job early. Uh, and I thought, gee, Petrarca uh, out of the centre square. Uh, Rich, not noted for his defensive, but I thought he was fantastic. And, and just one, one stat that confirms this Brisbane won the running game, they had 194 uncontested possessions, Rowan, and 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 Melbourne conceded the second half by an astonishing 70 points, totally against Melbourne's DNA over the last year or so.
0: Yeah, I reckon, I mean, this game is sort of a microcosm of how Melbourne have finished the season, haven't they? As, as we said at the top, or you said at the intro, they won uh, 10 in a row and then went 6-8. Over the last fourteen, so it, it, they're like two different teams over the two different halves of the season, aren't they?
1: Incredible! They were they were elite, the team of the competition, and now they're now they're down with, with Hawthorne, Essendon, um, those sort of teams in the second half uh, had had poor years. Um, there's some just great matchups. I've spoken about the Brayshaw, Neil Starcevic Pickett, uh, Robertson. Good on him to getting Oliver, but it was a match mo- winning move by uh, Fagan to put Berry to them. Uh, a very interesting side point, Rowan, that'll come up in the uh, when Brisbane challenge. Um, everyone's highlighting the grays under the eye of and going back, folks, and have a look at this. Um, the 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 sort of short of a shiner. And a graze under his left ear. If you look at the contact, Ron, it was with the uh, it was on his other side. So um, I want you to go back and have a look at that today, because uh, they'll say, "Oh, look at the damage to his eye! Look at the damage!" To his, eye. his hand actually, for a brief time, was on the other side of his face. I'll leave that with the other people that uh, love that sort of thing. Um, that's you you, ang-
0: you you angling for a gig uh, as defence counsel for a tribunal hearing.
1: Yeah, he'll get he'll get um uh, 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 he'll get um downgraded to careless stupidity and a three and a half five thousand dollar fine.
0: Oh, so you reckon Barry will be available? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah.
1: I didn't think it was a in the eye gouging. It was a scraping motion. Yeah. He was under extreme duress with an arm across his throat trying to get him off. They'll have a very good argument here that I feel can lower it. Still guilty, but lower it enough to play next week. All
0: right. Well, uh, massive uh, narrative shaping win by the Lions. And uh, like we said, they're staring down the barrel 1 6 in finals. Now it's. Three and five, um, we're talking about them completely differently. No doubt they'll go into the preliminary against Geelong Massive Outsiders, but you just can't uh, definitively say they haven't got a chance here, can you? Because they have really shown us a a far stronger version of themselves, and uh, Geelong, as much as anyone, will be aware of it, won't they? And
1: Geelong, as much as anyone, have to get through a preliminary final. So despite the fact that Geelong have improved for the reasons we've spoken about all year, they still have to get through the nerves of a preliminary final and the pressure that's on them after the year they've had.
0: Correct. All right. Well, great win to Brisbane. Season over for Melbourne. That was the second semi semi-final played chronologically first. Uh, let's now... <laughs> I don't know why I'm hung up on this stuff. You are, aren't you? You absolutely. I'm I'm a bit. I'm a bit anal about this. The names of the finals. Okay, so now let's talk about the first semi-final, which was played second. Saturday evening saw Collingwood up against Fremantle again at the MCG, and the upshot: Collingwood through to a preliminary final, vindicating their top four finish victory by 20 points. The final scores, Collingwood, 11-13-79, defeating Fremantle, 9-5-59. The goal kickers for the Pies, three to Ginnivan, two to Elliott, two to Crisp, two to Meyercheck, singles to Cox and Goey. For Fremantle, two to Logue, two to Schultz, two to Walters, two to Frederick and one single with, I think, might have just about been his last disposal in AFL footy, the old war horse, David Mundy. Great goal on the run in the last quarter to him. Well, not the, uh, let's be honest, not the thrills and spills of the previous night's game in this one. Uh, pretty efficient performance by the Pies, Robert, who um, certainly got things underway early with the first four goals of the game to set up this win. And from that point, I didn't feel like they were seriously challenged. But the thing that struck me at the end of it and um, looking at the stats post-game was the efficiency of this Collingwood side. They're quick, they're direct. Um, They certainly, well, until they kicked nine behinds in a row, uh, made their opportunities count. Um, And Frio, well, they plugged away, but you never had the sense that like last week when they were able to turn around a seven-goal deficit, that they were much of a shot of working themselves back into this game. At least that's not the feeling that I had. How did you see it?
1: I'm going to send it straight back to you, mate, because I love live football. I don't think you learn anything off the TV. And to my astonishment, the modern The modern opposition analysis does all his stuff off the TV. You've got to be at a game live, Rowan. So you can see in front of the ball, behind the ball, and you actually get a feeling. Even though you're behind glass in the press box, you get a feeling of the trend of the game that you don't appreciate or you can't get on TV. I'm going to ask you something. Um, I know they probably kicked the last two. So was it about a five-goal performance? Given the fact that Fremant, uh they only they only won by twenty points, Ron, um, is is there something to read there, or are they just uh, just the fact that Freo kicked the last two, or whatever it was, and, uh, and and narrowed the margin a little bit? Because on the TV, the pressure and intensity of Collingwood was just superb. And I thought it equated to maybe a six or a seven goal win. That's what it felt like on the on the TV.
0: Yeah, no, that is absolutely spot on. I mean, it was a, it was the classic flattering margin. This, I think, you'll look back on it, and go twenty points. Oh, they must have been a yeah a a, 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 a tiny sort of shot. Well, no, they weren't. And right. well, you know, I feel in some ways, uh, I mean. I was thinking a lot of the last quarter. This must have felt like luxury for the Pies, you know, after having, you know, chewed their fingernails off to win what 11 of 13 games decided by 11 points or less. <laughs> um, after the first goal of the last quarter kicked by uh, the big American Mason Cox. Oh, sorry, not big American. He's an Australian citizen now. Uh, the margin at that point, 38 points. Is like a stroll in the park. What a luxury for the pies to be able to not have to worry about clinging on to the literally the last seconds. And uh that meant that Frio ended up kicking uh what was it four of the last five goals. So yeah you totally- answered my own question. Good. Yeah well yeah I did answer your own question. a uh, totally um flattering margin in the end. Yeah look the pies the pies were great. You mentioned their pressure. I talked about their efficiency but they really have been fantastic this season in applying pressure on the opposition, haven't they? And I thought the other key, their defence is so well organised. I thought Howe and, and Darcy Moore um, and then the run off uh, half-back by the likes of uh, Nick Dacos and, and Claynor, Um, they were terrific, the pies, in every facet, really. Uh,
1: this is a little bit of self-reflection here, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm going to take the time to um, – congratulate a former student of mine and a premiership player with Brighton Grammar in Nathan Murphy, who was at one stage an Australian cricketer under-17 player and had the cricket world in his... He used to play this very similar role for the school team, Rowan, Mm. a great reader. We had two good defenders in our premiership years and, and he would pay that third man up perfectly. But one day we went down to Geelong Grammar and our forward line was out, so he played forward and he kicked seven goals on Jared Brander. Oh, yeah, and, wow. And, and no one knew who he was. And that night, it's a good little story, that night my phone at home ran off the hook. Who's Murphy? Where yeah. did he come from? Yeah. I said, he's been in the back pocket for three years. We yeah, just right. And um, I'm not taking any credit, but it's a really good story um, about him and, and that's enough about him and me. But that back line, um, Howe had 17 possessions, 13 intercepts. Yeah. I, th- I thought Fremantle were brave, but they uh, Noble showed dash. Quainer showed dash. Howe was one of the best on the ground. They tried to get Griffin Logue onto Moore, but it should have been onto Howe, in my opinion,
0: and, and and do a defensive forward role. We need to talk about, for mine, clearly the two best players on the ground, one Jordan DeGoey. To Jack Crisp. DeGoey ended up with 24 disposals, 13 of them contested. He had 12 score involvements. And he's just a great footballer. Every touch is dangerous. You know, he's got the bit, a bit of the um uh, the Dusty Martins about him in the sense that every time he gets hands on ball, you know something dangerous to the opposition and damaging for the pies is going to happen. He was fantastic, and I thought uh, Crisp particularly in that first quarter. That was one of the great quarters. He just ran and ran and ran right through the middle of the ground every time, hand out with 24 disposals. He had six clearances, 600 metres plus cool. gained and two goals. Fantastic running game from Jack Crisp. Agree? Oh, mate, he had my three votes, two to Goey and one to Howl, if you yeah. want
1: Brownlow votes for the game. Um, he was electrifying. Absolutely electrifying, and I thought he he broke out of congestion. His pace through the middle, I thought, was marginally better than De So that's saying something. Mm. And of course, De just shows you what he's capable of. Uh, he's had indiscretions, but I find it extraordinary that a team that is fifteenth on the ladder, oh, we don't want him. We don't want him. Where does he play? I tell you what, he, he's a he's a terrific player, De Goey. Um, yes. We need him to control uh, his indiscretions. But it looks like he's got his head in his footy. He's playing brilliant footy. But um, the, uh, they were just amazing, Rowan. And that's why I thought, gee, they look so dominant, but Freo was sort of – they did a good job, Freo, because all they could do was hang
0: in, wasn't it? I, well, I thought to to be a winning chance, of a Freo's going to need everything going right. And that didn't happen. And what didn't happen? And and look, I mean, this is going to happen on occasion, isn't it? But they certainly had a few of their less experienced players who really, I thought, succumbed to the occasion. Two in particular, I thought Frederick, one of them, and uh, I thought the other one, um, uh, probably Brandon Walker, who he had a bit of a nightmare, Walker. He fumbled. Uh, There was that moment... In fact, I wrote notes down about it. It was the second quarter. He got pushed off the ball as he was kicking near the boundary but still went through with the kick and, of course, sprayed it out in the fall. And then about 20 seconds later, he, he's he got the ball on the ground. Someone dives on him and he's dragged it back in, was never going to be able to get rid of it. Just keep your arms off the ball, son. It was you know, was a couple of gratuitous bits of advice, but it meant that he got nailed holding the ball he dropped a mark subsequent to that he just he had a bit of a Barry Crocker to be honest but um they needed those sort of players to be going frederick bobbed up and kicked those two uh, late goals didn't he but uh, in fact the two last goals the last two goals of the match but um the damage well and truly done by then so uh, that made it even more difficult for him really
1: it would be remiss of me to go through a uh, th- for us to go through a 10 to 13 minute uh pre-review uh, of the game. Collingwood supporters, um, before you jump on me, yes, Pendlebury was the glue that put this all together. He was the orchestra. Like um, uh, Dagoe was on the lead guitar, right? Chris was on bass guitar, but out the front on drums, you had the Charlie Watts of the Collingwood team. Just... <laughs> Just organising it, keeping it in rhythm, keeping the tempo going, controlling Richards and Jagger, right, yeah, yeah. and just keeping. He was superb. Subtle movements, quick hands, releasing players. He
0: was superb. He's about as old as Charlie Watts too in uh, football terms these days, Pendles.
1: Charlie was good tonight. <laughs> There's a book coming out. You'll love that, Rowan. I've ordered it.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Charlie's good tonight. That was Mick Jagger's great saying. He'd get up the front and you go, Charlie's good tonight, eh? <laughs> All
0: right. No, well, it's it's a fair point because he's, uh, I mean, Pendles has always been unobtrusive, but he's probably, I guess, as other players like the Dacos have emerged, he's become even less intrusive, but um, still indispensable. Uh, on that same point, probably should mention a couple of indispensable parts of the Frio engine too, and that's Sarong and Brayshaw. I think 66 disposals between them. I think Sarong had 34 and Brayshaw 32. Now, when we're we're talking about Fremantle, they're in good hands, aren't they? Because those two are going to be the backbone of their midfield setup for the next 10 years, I'd reckon.
1: While I'm talking, Ron, can you look up Collingwood's leading possession winner, please? There, uh, well, if you've got it in front of you, I'm sorry. Um, What they did—they lost Taylor Adams, Rowan, and although Taylor's only played what one game in a month, they—he's important to them. So, how did they cover? Little bit of extra game time for De Go in the middle. Nick uh, Dacos started in the middle. Yeah. Um. Uh, Crisp. So they actually gave. A cross section of players, a collection of players. instead of going one for one, they shared the load beautifully.
0: And yeah, Mod- yeah. Well, those mid those midfield touches. Okay, Nick Dakos, twenty five. Crispin De twenty four each. Pendlebury, twenty four. Lipinski. So we haven't even talked about him, twenty one. Uh, okay. Le- leading three disposal winners on the ground, all Fremantle players. Stop but there. Like, well, hang on. No, I just this gets back to that point I was making at the oh. start. Um, bit of banging going on there, Robert. What's happening in the background? Oh, there?
1: I'm frustrated by by you. I've got these notes here. Go, keep going. All
0: right. Well, so was, get back to yep. get
1: back to what my theme was. That you've oh, answered beautifully.
0: All right. Well, I'm just saying. You know, uh, Frio ended up winning the contested ball and the uncontested ball. <laughs> they won the disposal count by 33. But Collingwood's just been far more damaging with the footy. So
1: Collingwood haven't got a. Here's my. Uh, my flippant comment for you, Rowan, and I'm actually not talking about any club. Where's Collingwood's? Oh, he got forty three possessions. He got thirty nine. Yeah. If you if you go back over Collingwood's history, I think that's an extraordinary stat that their leading possession winner is twenty five, which is regulation in today's you know you know forty one high thirty fives plus. Yeah. I think if you go back through Collingwood stats, um, unless Pendlebury's had a, a an out-and-out out blinder of a game, they don't get 40s, Rowan. They don't yeah. get high 30s. They're a wonderful sharing-the-load team, and you just read out 24, 25,
0: 25, 21. Yeah, well, the irony there is that often at times under Nathan Buckley, and this isn't a criticism of Bucks, but there was a period there where they were the 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 high-possession side of the AFL and didn't do enough with it. And as you speak, I've just looked up the rankings for this season, and as far as total disposals go, Collingwood uh, only ranks uh, 12th. So you're talking about a team that's got down to the preliminary final. Frio, in fact, ranked number one. So I guess that um, those numbers uh, on Saturday night are fairly consistent with those rankings of the season. They use the ball very efficiently. You summed it up in your first session
1: and you, uh, the first um, sentence when you said efficiency. They attacked the corridor and they put it in the goal square, round. They put it in the goal square um, and even a little bit of long bombs to snake <laughs> sort of stuff. They put pressure on the opposition's goal square. It's, it's a very simple attacking, brave
0: and confident game style. All right, and just quickly for those younger than 50, long bombs to snake, of course, is the direction that Ron Barassi wrote on the, uh, I was going to say whiteboard, but did they have them in? Yeah, they did Yeah, have it, a Ron. Yeah, it yeah. was a whiteboard, Rowan. It was. Okay, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> it was the directions for the North Melbourne players um, to head towards Phil Baker, their full forward, before the <laughs> 1977 grand final, <laughs> and they were directions carried out beautifully with Phil Baker kicking six goals in that grand final draw, earning them a replay, which they went on and won um, against Collingwood. Unfortunately. The game
1: hasn't changed that much, folks. Put no. it in the gold square to the big fellas.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, a great win by the Pies, and of course, the reward for that is uh, what should be a gripping preliminary oh, final wow. against Sydney at the SCG next Saturday, late Saturday afternoon at four forty-five PM. We're going to be back. With uh, thorough previews of both those preliminary finals, uh, so that is it for the. Can't
1: wait for that. This is going to be that game's
0: going to be great to preview. I can't wait for that game. I can't wait for either of them, Robert. Uh, plenty yeah. to churn through in the lead up to the preliminary finals. Uh, that's it for this review. Semi final. Question, mate. Can you Can stop interrupting me? Yeah, go on. No,
1: I know you're doing your your. your- your spiel. Yeah, can What's your can't... preferred grand? What do you want to see? Who do you want to go to in grand final day and watch Rowan?
0: Well, it depends on what perspective yes. you're talking. Um, um aesthetically
1: or, or intri- no intriguing excitement, um,
0: the unknown. Um Okay. Well, I don't uh, I think I think Geelong Collingwood um would yeah. create could create the biggest buzz, I think. Right. Okay, you've answered my question. Well, hang on, I'm right. finished. <laughs> well, you
1: answered it though.
0: Oh, sorry. But I'm saying it depends what perspective. I think Geelong Sydney uh, would have an appeal because I think that would be a a really attractive game, and the two of them have never met in a grand final. Um, and then Is that right, yeah. Is and that then right, wow. Collingwood and Brisbane, um, I guess, would be the pie's chance to atone for the grand final defeats of. Uh, 02 and 03, back in the Mick Malthouse days. So, uh, depends what you're looking for. But I can tell you this, Robert, that whichever matchup we have, it is going to be a cracking contest. And this is the longest outro to a episode I've done all year. Um, Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back (laughs) midweek for the preliminary final previews. Uh, We uh, appreciate your support. Uh, If you want to support us financially, you can do that at the link um, or the ACAST supporter page, the link to which will be available uh, in the show description, wherever you're listening to this podcast or become a footyology patron via the many links at the Footyology website to Patreon, a wonderful supporter of independent media, be it writing, publishing, uh, you name it. They do some great stuff. So uh, dip your hand in your pocket a little bit and help us put food on the table for the the starving kitty. Thanks for your input, Robert. Uh, We've got three games to go. It's been a huge year, but uh, we're almost there. The excitement's palpable. Are you getting excited, or are we? Oh all- no,
1: I've 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 loved the final series. Oh look, I've loved this. I uh, like people think, oh yeah, we just turn up, but we've got to watch games. We don't always analyse it within a, a, a bee's dick of it's uh, a, of the end of the game, but. Um, a, a, People should try it sometimes. People do podcasts with one team, one game. Try try looking at nine teams. I'm not pumping it up, but uh, it's been really enjoyable. I can't wait for these uh, last couple of weeks though. Not to finish, we- but uh, watch the culmination of what has been a fantastic year of football.
0: Yep, here, here. Well said. All right, thanks everyone. Uh, enjoy what remains of your weekend if you are listening to this on Sunday and we'll catch you back here midweek. See you then.